Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's that time. It's the Unicast episode 134, and today we welcome back for the third time Assemblyman Anthony Brendisi. He's back talking about all the issues that matter to me and also the viewers. Thanks for sending in your questions. Also this week, we're talking about uh, Martin Luther King Day. We're talking about Hawaii under attack. We're talking about the fake news awards that aren't happening. We're talking about history lessons. Much, much more. Don't eat your laundry pods, folks. Welcome back. We're happy to have you. It's the Uticast. Oh, yeah. I'm not, even, I'm not even going to reference it. Okay, uh, Heather, I felt really bad because normally we leave the front door open for you when you yeah, come. Yeah, it was freezing. You, you were stuck out in the cold. But I have to say that I think the plow people heard my, heard us last week because the roads are really nice. Yo, how about it? I mean, two days ago, you got a foot of snow here, and mm-hmm. I could drive up the road and park. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. they heard our complaints. Yeah, and they, they definitely mm-hmm. came. So it was up. definitely us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Not all the other thousands of people who complained. Uh, Heather, it's nice to see you, as always. Hi. Your hair's down, which I feel like it's yeah, never... I never do my hair. Yeah, it's, I never feel like I see your hair down. It nope. looks very nice. Thanks. I had seven inches cut off, Kevin noticed. Seven inches cut yep. off. Seven. Huh. Any know. particular reason? Are you just feeling it? I was feeling it. And I just said, cut it. I feel like it's a summertime movie. It's the only reason I bring it up. It's like cold out. I feel like not that it helps to have longer hair. I don't know why that would make you any, <laughs> I don't know why that would make you any <laughs> warmer, right? Cut their hair, but I was just... I hadn't cut it in like over a year, so... It was time. Very good. It was time. Uh, I'm not going to make this a recurring segment of the show okay. where I just go through your tweets from last week oh, and Jesus. berate you. <laughs> Heather's tweets from last Heather's week. Heather's tweets from last week. There's only one. So you had a good tweet this week that I got to laugh at. I think I favorited oh, it. And it was about a word, a list words. of words you're never supposed to say around your kids and you were mad because you say you said them all. Yeah. Do you remember any of what the words were? One was asshole. Oh. Apparently you can't say that. Or you can't tell them they're smart. You really? can't tell a kid that they're You're smart. You're not supposed to tell them they're smart. You can't. You'll ruin them. You could say it differently. There was a bunch of them. It was just really obnoxious because I'm like, well, I kind of say all of this stuff. And I can't. I might as well just not talk at it's... this point. I really shouldn't because I'm doing everything wrong. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I am. I think that's what parents. You should not be too hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm like. really good mom. I'm really telling good. kids they're smart is a double-edged sword because like, I deal with it with the, the kids at school, right? Like. Their yeah. report cards come in, and I'm supposed to meet with them about their report cards. Yeah. So when the kid gets their report card, and it's like, you have a 98.3% average, and it says it in the bottom, and they're on the principal's list, they know they're smart. Yeah. So you got to hit them with, like, the, the compliment sandwich. Oh, You're like, yeah. first off, great job. Like, oh, excellent, yeah. excellent work. But yeah. I'm this here. I don't want you to get complacent. But I feel like mm-hmm. when we were little, we heard all sorts of stuff, but it didn't really make us who we were. Like... I don't know. I, I don't remember my teacher. Maybe, maybe they did, and I just don't remember. I don't remember once ever having any of my teachers, like, <laughs> pull me up to their desk and make, let's go over these report card grades. I feel like they sent it home to your house, and your parents signed it, and then you had to bring it back. I don't even, maybe that's no. not even a thing no, either. it might have been. That's like elementary school I'm thinking of. I don't know. Report cards are weird, man. I remember as a kid getting report cards that were, like, handwritten. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. About, like, that was some weird stuff. Yeah. 
And if you were like a real delinquent kid, you could, and you were real good at like penmanship, you could just forge your report card. Not that I would ever do such a thing. That's horrible. no, never needed to. Grade school is easy. Grade school is easy. <laughs> That's the only piece of advice I give my students. I tell them the story of um, Sam Famolaro, which is. I got school pretty easily going, like, up until high school. Like, I was, like, through high school. I was like, oh, yeah, this is all pretty, I got this. Right? Yeah. Studying. No, I, I got it. I listened in class. I got it. I mm-hmm. got it. I got, like, the grades, right? And then when I got to, like, college and they were like, do all this, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what is this? <laughs> oh, stu- I don't know how to study. That was the other one. I, uh, you don't know how to study because you never had to. So that's the, the the parable I tell them about, like, yeah, this is all easy for you now, but all of a sudden it's going to not be at some point in time. Because you're going to you. No one's going to remind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So Good luck. don't get too cocky, kid, basically, <laughs> is the moral of that story. <laughs> Kevin, uh, I've been talking about We haven't talked about it. I thought about talking about it for couple weeks uh my mom gave me a bag of assorted candies uh from the holidays from the holidays uh now mom if you listen to this she gave it to me under the pretense that i was to bring it to school and give it to the children uh that didn't happen (laughs) it it died here in the living room between me and kevin and all my friends a lot of people a lot of people people were in the holidays i saw that bag of candy last week but uh truth be told it turned into an interesting social experiment because the bag was mixed with a lot of different candies and uh, of varying qualities and flavors. You got your Mallow Cups, you got your Kit Kats, you got your York Pepper and Patties, you got your Dove Candies, you got your a couple of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in there. Mm-hmm. There were some Linder Balls. Uh, There's only one candy left in the bag. What was it, Kev? Everybody knows. It's it's not a social experiment. It's not interesting. It's Mallow Cups because they're disgusting. No, I am shocked. A Mallow Cup is a disgusting candy. <laughs> I am candy. shocked. The chocolate on the outside is so good. The yellow, yellow, the white. The yellow. The yellow. Stuff. Your favorite. Are you going to put the wrapper on? <laughs> That's, maybe that helps. I Someone told me. I, I can't believe that that would be the one that was left. I can't, I've I'm never, taking them all home with me. I'm take them. They're all yours. I've never heard somebody go so hard <laughs> for Mellow Cups. So I'll, I've told this story a couple times this week. I'll try and tell it one more time. When I got this bag of candy, I saw that there were Mallow Cups in there. And for a long and for years, I've been sort of rallying against the Mallow Cup. I'm like, this is a, a, a lowbrow key. This is almost as bad as a Sky Bar, which is something we can get into some other time. Uh, but a Mallow Cup was low on my list. But... As I'm sitting there looking at the bag, driving home, I go, you know, I actually haven't had a Mallow Cup in a long time, right? I was like, how do I know that I don't like it? I can be had it once, one time, and I didn't like it, and just that's it. So I'm going to eat this Mallow Cup, and I'm going to give it a real assessment. So I unwrapped it, and I took a bite of it. I didn't just jam the whole thing. I took a bite of it. I savored it, right? <laughs> I gave it a minute. Yeah, then what happened? I really contemplated it. It's not good. Oh. It's just not good. good. <laughs> like, I, I tried. <laughs> like, I tried. It's just not there. There's something. It, and I'll tell you what, actually. I'll give you one thing about it. It wasn't as bad as I had built it up in my head. Like, I thought it was going to be putrid and I was going to hate it. It was mildly unpleasurable. I'll put it that way. I did not eat any more. Suffice to say, the bag isn't empty, right? Like, I ate the York peppermint patties, which oh, I'm kind of 50 50 on. Those are the second to last. Second to last. Second to last. His second favorite is the peppermint patties. That's funny. Those are the two candies that nobody touched out of this. Like, no, I should have just bag. came over. I would have ate them. You should have. Well, the, I'm the, taking those with me. Take them with you. Mine. Um, 25 of them in there. It was like seven. Whatever. It looked like 20. <laughs> so uh, I'll get my plug out of the way real quick. We were supposed to shoot a video this week for Do It For Utica Weekend, which is January 27th uh, from 12 to 4 p.m. 
uh, at the Saranac Brewery. Very excited for it. Go to MadeInUtica.com. Uh, go to Facebook.com backslash MadeInUtica. Do it for Utica Weekend. It's going to be very exciting. We were supposed to shoot uh, a commercial for it this weekend, but we got hit by that outrageous kind of out-of-nowhere snowstorm that I totally did not see coming. I got to be honest. Know? So I had been told well, by we one were, of my... We got all over about it, though. They weren't really quite sure we were going to get that snow at first. No? Yes. Okay, so it was weird. I fell asleep at, like, kind of weirdly early that night, like 10, 10.30, mm-hmm. like earlier than I normally do. And when I woke up, <laughs> I, it was already like, I was like, oh, that I missed everything. I felt like it kind of came in overnight. It must have been real quick. No, it did. It's funny because people were posting pictures of the day before, which was like 61 degrees and sunny, and then the next mm-hmm. day it was like one degree and a foot of snow. Mm-hmm. Only in upstate New York, I was talking to people at work today where they were like, oh, no, don't worry, it's going to break. It's going to be like 33 tomorrow. And people were like, ooh, thank God. It's like tropical. <laughs> the tropical 32 degrees or whatever it's going to be. Uh, but, yeah, so we're going to shoot that video this weekend. So look for some more weird and wild videos from Maiden Utica. Unless the fact that I'm talking about it right now uh, jinxed it. It means that we won't it's get it. It's already jinxed. It's already over. jinxed. It's no over. Chance. No chance? Mm-hmm. Ah, and I think it's going to happen. It's T- going to happen. You know why? You know why it's going to happen? TK's really excited for it. Oh. That's why it's going to happen. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. What is next? I guess we can get into this week's uh, this week's stuff. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it will be over, but we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day. That's it? Is that what you say? Yeah. Okay. You sent me a list, which you've never done before, yeah. because you were making fun of me. Uh, I like this. Yeah, yeah, she sent me a list for Martin Luther King Day, uh, and this was the list. You're, you're going to find out why. It's called 10 Fascinating Things You Probably Didn't Know About Martin Luther King. That sounds like a fascinating list. It sounds like a fascinating list. I expect it to be better. All right, so here we go. Did you guys know that uh, when he went to college, he was 15 years old? He skipped two grades? He was so smart. Yes, he skipped two grades. All right. Did you know that he didn't want to be a minister at first? He wanted to be a lawyer. Didn't know that. See, are you fascinated? Not but, yet. Quite. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go through all this. Yeah. Very long. <laughs> I you know why? Here's the problem. It's one of those lists where um, you can't look at the whole list at once. I have to click through oh. every piece of the list. You know he won a Grammy, though? Did he win a Grammy? Yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Now okay. you know. Well, there you those go. Those pages are the worst, though. List pages. we got to go one by one. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, I hate it more hmm. than anything. Uh, there's lots of good Martin Luther King stuff out there today, though. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on NPR about him today. Uh, matter of fact, I had a tweet from the president. Did you hear this one? The president's tweet about it. Well, the the Barack Obama, okay, not 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 like, the, not not Trump. I mean, wish. yeah, <laughs> Barack Obama. Uh, Dr. King was 26 when the Montgomery bus boycott began. Uh, he started small, rallying others who believed their efforts mattered, uh, pressing on their challenges and doubts to change our world for the better permanent inspiration for the rest of us to keep pressing towards justice. Isn't it nice when you read a tweet <laughs> from, like, a, a leader and you're like, hmm, I wish makes me feel that. good. Yeah. Also, it's the first time he's tweeted this year, so oh, yeah, it's really. nice when they're, when they're not. He's probably been out on vacation, living <laughs> <life>. <laughs> Well, it's gotta be, like, that's the thing, too, like, as much as I want him, like, back to be, like, fighting the good fight, I'm There's like, nothing no, for live your life. Do, you yeah. know what I mean? I you can't come back and do anything unless they appoint him to the Supreme Court, which would be Oh man, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. You would be see awesome. you would see heads exploding uh, in trailer parks everywhere. So do you guys want to talk? Uh, there's been a million takes on the internet. I want to get to our first story of the week about um, the president's use of a vulgarity. I guess I guess the, the paper could we could say shithole, right? The yeah. president said shithole. Do you guys want to talk about the president using the word shithole? What's your takes on this? Do you have any takes? What do you mean takes? 
I don't know. I feel like everyone's been sort of talking about it. I've seen a lot of crazy mental gymnastics for people trying to explain his obviously no, those racist people are comments. Blonde. He definitely said it. Uh, yeah. The word shithole isn't really the problem with what he said. We already know mm-hmm. he's a vulgar guy. So that's not news to anybody. Um, the racist part of it was was when he said, why do these people need to come here? Mm-hmm. Not that he said they come from shithole countries, but it's the fact that people. he said... Why do we need why do we need people from black and brown countries? Why can't we get more people from places like Norway, white countries, which where by the way, more Americans move to Norway than vice versa mm. anyway. Um it, it's it's gross. He's gross. It's horrible uh, all the time. Uh he seems to be getting a lot of shit for it. Like more than usual from a lot of people. I mean, it's just continuing to unravel and it will continue from here and I'm not worse. happy he said it, but I'm glad he said it. Because it just is more points against him, more hate, more reason you to You make get a him good to... point so, with that, too. I mean, um, it wasn't a good thing to say, but I'm happy he did it. I'm happy someone caught it. I'm happy every time, said it. Every time he, ex- he and his Another people expose the themselves and like show mm-hmm. themselves under the light, that's a positive, a silver lining you pull from the situation. Yep. So I got a question, I guess. When is it... Why does it feel like every time he does some really racist shit and people call him a racist... There are so many people who are like, you can't just call somebody racist. He's done a lot of obviously racist things, and right. yet people get really offended when they're like, "Oh no, you, he's a racist." Like, no, he's not. It's like, but like, but you know, you know the answer to that because they're also racist. Yes, yeah, is that really just as simple as that? Like, I pretty much. I well, mean, which it's in denial of, right? of the person they voted for. They really want to believe that he was going to be the person they voted for, mm-hmm. and now he's completely switching gears. But and- no, see, I feel like he is the person they voted for. And some people are in denial of racism. They think that I, I, I'm friends with black people, but I can say this about them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They think that I'm not racist. I'm friends with them. But it, it, you are racist. You are. That, that's what it is. Like, it shades of gray. But, yeah, yeah, the people who are like, oh, you can't call this guy a racist. You've got no grounds. Yeah, generally are racist people. Well, yeah. there's a, you see a lot in the news where people are like, well, he says these things. It infuriates people. But it also likes it makes his base like him more. It's like, well, yeah, no doubt. Like if his base is racist. Yeah, it's like KKK. So yeah. Of like course. if I said some obviously dumb stuff, like if I was like the blue, the sky is too blue. I wish it was green instead. There'd be a bunch of people who agreed with me. They'd be dumb, right? But they'd also be like, well, these people agree with me, so I can't be that crazy, right? Like it doesn't just because what you say has some people agree with it, that doesn't make it, like, a valid argument, right? <laughs> like, that's how the Flat Earth Society's still around. <laughs> it's the same kind of argument. Uh, well, I thought this was interesting. Have you guys heard about the prankster uh, at Trump oh, Hotel in D.C.? Yes. Yeah, the projection prankster. I love it. Uh, who <laughs> put a lot of these people. Green. You remember when they flew that chicken by the White House? Oh, the inflatable, <laughs> the big inflatable chicken. I like all these pranks were projected, putting up <laughs> exhibitions. New York was always installations. New York City was always interesting because if you would go to, because uh, I used to work with my brother-in-law, and we would see a lot of different construction sites, mm-hmm. and sometimes you'll see these things at construction sites if there's not like union workers out there, mm-hmm. and it's basically a giant twenty-foot inflatable rat. And they blow it up out front in the building, and it just sits out front of the building, this horrifying-looking, like, inflatable rat. I swear to God, it's a real thing. And they do it to show, like, see, these contractors aren't using union workers. They're using, like, scabs. They're... It's supposed to symbolize the rats. rats. That's funny. And it's, it's the most aggressive thing I've ever so seen. So it's funny. So I've never even heard of things like that. And it, it's actually been happening. Oh, my God. No, it's a and real thing. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's now noticeable because it's the president. I thought it was really cool when I was a kid. I was like, yo, what's up with this giant rat? And my brother's like, nah, it's not good. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, so I got another story that 
Uh, again, so you gotta you gotta bear with me. I don't have the same notes I've been accustomed to for the last few weeks. I had yeah, to go old help. school, so uh, I have a lot more writing this week. So my headline here was Hawaii is under attack, not just playing. Do you guys know? <laughs> do you guys know about this story? Of Are you course. Familiar? Uh, so earlier on Saturday, uh, smartphones in Hawaii lit up with the ominous warning, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Um, it doesn't say how long. Was it was 40, 40, minutes 40 minutes before anyone said anything to them. I mean, that's they a, all thought they were going to die. That's a rough way to wake up, man. <laughs> like, I mean, all those people thought they were going to die. <laughs> is also, and maybe I'm, I'm, I think it's crazy, like, this is how we would find out now, isn't it? Just yeah. like it would pop up on our phone. Like that's the first yeah, time I really it popped up on the TV too. Like there's all that footage from that college basketball game. People yeah. were watching in Hawaii and ESPN. Like it popped up on yeah. everything. The yeah. full civil people service. People were in their alert. car on the highway driving, and they I guess people were getting out yeah. of their car looking at the sky, and I'm like, that's <laughs> man, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Super dark times we live in. It's like I feel like uh, yeah, that's gotta be it's gotta be horrifying, especially out there on like a little island like Hawaii because there's nowhere to go. You know what I mean? Like, you're in the dead middle of the Pacific Ocean. You get hit. Nothing. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's just very unsettling. That like I feel like this would have gotten more play in the news than it did, I guess. Like, I don't know. I feel like it was the biggest It was the biggest story that they had. Was it? I feel like... Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the top of everything for, yeah. like, um, and, uh, since it happened onwards. And our awesome president was playing golf and never said nope. anything, never a condolence or I'm sorry you're going through this, and... Nothing. Well, he was golfing. I know. So I, know. I don't know. I, that you're right. Still you the worst guy. All the- <laughs> still awful. Still, still. Does he make? Does he make you hate golf? Like, does no. him playing so much golf by proxy make you dislike no. golf a little more than you used no. to? No, I don't like him. No. <laughs> right. no. Spend plenty of fine time on a golf course. I don't begrudge anybody their golfing. Uh, well, in between his golfing uh, and. I guess whatever he does in his executive hours, um, he apparently is still putting out his fake media awards this Wednesday. Who the president? Yeah, yeah. I go. cannot believe this is really going to happen. I don't think it is really going to happen. Oh, they keep pushing. It's going to no, be, it's gonna be an absolute clown show. I can't this isn't like his. Oh my gosh. I don't think it's really going to happen because uh, we haven't been nominated. So I, I obviously, oh, obviously, I'm not obviously, into it. we haven't gotten a letter or yeah, anything. You're right. So absolutely. Not yet, at least. Uh, yeah, I, I bet you it doesn't really happen. I'm just going to make my prediction. Nothing happens on Wednesday because he'll forget about it because he's an old man with dementia. Uh, all right, and let's let's end our, well, we, as we can't end our political talk because we have the Assemblyman coming on, so we've been talking politics with the Assemblyman for another... Pivot to, I mean, other politics. A lot of politicians out there. Well, I brought back a segment. Are you guys ready for a segment that I brought back? It's called, I'm Done With This Guy. Are you ready for the return of I'm done with this guy. And it's, uh, this week's special uh, edition is for uh, <laughs> Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Mm. Mm. Oh, geez. Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, was on MSNBC's The Beat earlier this week uh, with Ari Melber. Did you watch this Scumbag clip? Scumbag Deluxe. I saw it. It was amazing. I love when this happens. That's one of my amazing. favorite things about these people being idiots as you do this. So this guy, because Sheriff Joe got convicted of a felony, and they, you know, yeah. Trump pardoned him. Everybody saw that story. When you get pardoned in this country, that means you plead guilty. Part of accepting a pardon is saying, okay, yeah, I did it. Thank yep. you for the pardon. And he was on live TV when he learned that fact. When he's like, no, I'm innocent. I maintain I'm innocent. They're like, yeah, but you got the pardon. Yeah. And he was like, I, I don't... Wh- 
I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the quote. Uh, Melgar says, as you know, when you take a pardon, you're admitting guilt. Why did you take that pardon and admit guilt? To which Arpaio responds, I didn't admit guilt. I said it was not guilty, and I say it today. <laughs> and then, then Melbourne says... You sound like a fisherman from the 1800s. Because <laughs> that's what catch he, that whale. I'm going to catch that whale, Ahab. Uh, yeah, let's not do that voice. Uh, <laughs> you do that voice for the rest of the show. Yeah, you, oh, you're fine. <laughs> so at least history. It's, I won't dig through the whole thing, but it was definitely going worth a watch. Watching his wheels spin on national on television as he's trying to like do, again, the, the wonderful mental gymnastics. Like I said, I hope in the future when things aren't quite so serious, we can come back and laugh because there's a lot of excellent content coming yeah. out of this uh, freak show train wreck. Yeah, so. apt, apt analysis, Kevin. <laughs> you said you were going to get apt analysis. <laughs> apt early. analysis in. Oh, um, hopefully we can get some more sane people into the forefront of the politics so we have to deal with people like Sheriff Joe running for Congress. <laughs> yeah, or people like our good friend Claudia. Claudia, uh, I'm uh, just going to say, this is Assemblyman Nissi's third time on the podcast, three times. And every time he comes on the show, I always think to myself, like, man, I hope I can find more stuff to talk about with him. And lo and behold, there's always more and more stuff to talk about with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any questions for uh, the Assemblyman, well, I asked you on Thursday to send them in. And some of you did. I had to clean some of them up a little bit. That's our <laughs> listeners. Thanks, guys. We love you. You guys are the best. Uh, but again, it was a great conversation. Uh, I had a great time talking to the Assemblyman. If you're curious, uh, he did talk about the downtown hospital emails. We... This was sort of a thing that I guess is people are talking about. I sent you that story, the day of the interview, actually, because that's when the story broke. And in typical fashion, he was very happy to talk about it, and he gave me a very straight answer about it. So if you want to hear it, it's right at the beginning, and uh, we go on for about 40 minutes. Again, always a pleasure to talk to Assemblyman Anthony Brindis. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. say you know it's got to be it's been a probably wild transition from 2017 2018 how's your new year treating you so far new year's treating me fine so far mm-hmm. of course we're only a couple weeks <laughs> into it. so i know i have a lot on the horizon going into uh, november's elections but uh, so far so good last time you were on the show i sort of uh, i think i asked you last time you were on uh if you were sort of prepared for the shift in focus from a more local vibe to this sort of national lens that's going to somewhat be on you. Right. Uh, and now that we're, we've moved on since our last interview, uh, do you have anything to say about that? Does it feel different now? No, it feels a little bit different. I guess it's kind of like being on the state level, but more more hypercharged, I mm-hmm. guess. And, you know, I, I think because I've been in politics for a couple of years now, I kind of knew what to expect going to this next level. Um, but you know, this wasn't an easy decision for me to try and make the jump from being in the state assembly to running for Congress. And mm-hmm. you know, I thought long and hard about it and had a lot of talks with my wife and yeah. kids, obviously, during that decision-making process mm-hmm. and thought, look, I could stay in the state assembly and, uh, and do what I'm doing and maybe not get challenged. I haven't had a challenger in the last couple elections. Right. 
or I can try and, uh, you know, take the plunge and run for Congress because I think the problem we have right now in this country is we have extremes. Yes. Uh, and we don't have enough people with uh, common sense who are really, really, really willing to sit down and get things done and compromise, which is yeah. something this, this country's been built on. It's so tough, too. And I, I try, <laughs> I'll give you a scenario. My stepfather is, um, he was a older Republican voter. He's, right. He was a registered Republican for years, but over the last 10, 15 years, he, was, he really liked Obama. Yep. He hates hates Donald Trump. He's a Rockefeller Republican. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he spends a lot of time like watching CNN, watching MSNBC, like going through all the channels and I've sort of, I sort of told him, I was like, you gotta, yeah. you gotta step back from it yeah. a little bit. Does it ever feel like sometimes it, it's hard to step back from like the sort of toxic vibes that seem to be taking over the way discourse goes on? It's hard. I think, the, you know, the challenge right now with social media is that people are out there and there's just a lack of civility on both yes. sides, really. Oh yeah, for There's sure. a lack of civility uh, and people will go on to Twitter or or Facebook or whatever and say uh, whatever they want. I think sure. the president has empowered them to go out there and almost say whatever they want yeah. without any repercussions or, or thought about w w what the ramifications of your, your comments yeah. might be. And look, politicians have always uh, been punching bags. That's that's something you expect going into the profession. <laughs> but it comes with the territory. Yeah, it comes with the territory. But you know, sometimes you know we're 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 human too, and it yeah. it, it it can hurt sometimes. But we all try to do the best job we can. And you know, I still love public service to, as much today as the day I first got involved back on the school board uh, many years ago. Now I, I don't have this on the list, but as we're talking about it, it got me thinking. Um, we are in a different world now. I talk about this all the time. I, I turned thirty-two this week, and. For the first time ever, I was talking to Kevin last night about this. I, I work in education. I work with you know students, sure. seventh graders. I now feel like the generation below me is completely different from me. Right. I feel totally disconnected because of the social media, because of the internet, because of the way they interact. Has social media been something that it seems, in your opinion, most politicians were not totally prepared to handle? I think a lot, a lot of older politicians, and I, I still consider myself young. I'm 39 years old. You're I have pretty gray, young man. I have gray hair, but I still consider myself pretty young. Hey, listen, I, I'm 32. I got gray hair. It's all right. It, it just happens. Early and early it early. happens. We're premature gray. What are you going to do? You know, I think that you know, for me, it's always been a natural fit. Uh, social media, using Twitter, using Facebook to try and communicate with constituents, and with traditional media not really being what it is today as it has been in previous decades. Sure. I think it's a great platform to be able to get your message out there, to be able to listen to constituents to get feedback and answer questions. And I, you know, I, I, there was one constituent I was going back and forth with it on Facebook a couple days ago. And I said, look, just give me your phone number and we can call and chat. And I, and I actually called him and I think he was amazed when I called me. He said, I've never been called by an elected <laughs> official before. I said, that's something I always do uh, where I think a lot of the older generation may shy away from, they have a, a staff member run their social yeah. media platform where I do everything myself and you know sometimes my staff well, hates me for doing that. But. I think it's I think it's telling that we've communicated at least three times on this podcast yeah. and we've been very friendly because of social media right. whereas Kevin and I asked Claudia every week to come on the show. I don't think she's <laughs> ever heard of it or listened to it. Uh, it's not just you. <laughs> no, I, I've heard that as well. Um, so why don't we get into it? Uh, it's been a whirlwind few months for you. Sure. Uh, you just recently were... Uh, I don't know, the farmer, what was it, the farmer Circle? Award? Yeah, Circle of Friends, so the New mm. York State Farm Bureau has an annual award where they give yeah. out to legislators who are supportive of agricultural issues, mm. so we were able, we were one of the members that were selected for that, which is, a, agriculture is one of New York's most important industries, so it's an honor to be in there. Uh, besides just that, the state comptroller has also endorsed you, uh, the Democratic Congress, uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, which you guys probably say more than I do, so you, <laughs> it's easier. The DCCC. Uh, yeah, has named you, got, you a top challenger in 2018, uh, Politico's called you a must-watch watch candidate in 2018 
Anthony Brindisi, Assemblyman, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to start with the downtown hospital thing, just sure. because it's been sort it's of popping up. Yeah. Um, so can you sort of break down what has been going on? I think I've gotten some idea of what's going on. There was a, some sort of communication between you and uh, right. Vicente from 2015 that people were questioning. Yeah, look, in the three or so years that this hospital project mm-hmm. has been out there, there's been literally hundreds of emails that have gone back and forth between me, the senator, the county executive, Montfailly Edge, folks from the hospital, constituents, um, and the No Downtown Hospital group has... Submit, they submitted a FOIL request, Freedom of Information yep. request, mm-hmm. to the county for copies of any emails. And I was well aware that this was out there and was sure. even asked, you know, do you, do you have any objections to these going on? I said, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Whatever I have said privately through email, I have said publicly. I think it's no secret, people who know me, that I have been supportive of the hospital's decision mm-hmm. to locate a healthcare facility in downtown Utica. You know, I the complaint that I have about the no downtown hospital group is, look, I'm not an expert in hospital planning mm-hmm. or siting of new hospitals, sure. just as much as they are not experts in this. Correct. Uh, and the hospital has engaged experts to decide that that is the best location for them after going through a very deliberate process of looking at 12 different sites and ultimately determining that downtown was best suited for them. Sure. So if you get sick, do you self-diagnose yourself or do you go talk to a doctor? You can talk to a doctor, certainly. Because a doctor's yeah. the expert, right? Well, I have healthcare stuff. Well, of course. <laughs> For now. Right. <laughs> but you go to see a doctor because the doctor's an yeah. expert. When you're in trouble, right. do you represent yourself in court or do you go talk to a well, lawyer? I certainly not. Right. I so, so there are experts in particular fields. Hmm. You're, you're in education. Hmm. I would not come into your classroom and expect to try and teach the students to the level that you could teach students hmm. at because you are trained to do that. I am not trained well, to do you. that. <laughs> no, it's true. There are, there are professions where people are trained to make decisions and people who are lay in that particular field should rely on those people to make decisions. It's no different in the the decision for the hospital to go downtown. They have engaged experts that are in this field who have said St. Luke's is not an easy location for them to build a new hospital. Downtown is a better site for us because of its access and uh, location, and we're going to build it there. And I think we should rely on the experts who have made that decision. What we have on the no downtown hospital side are people who have very personal interest, mm-hmm. who are in real estate and other industries, who right. have personal interests in not seeing a hospital go downtown. Mm. What I get offended by is when they say it's corrupt, there's a conspiracy. I don't get one extra cent if the hospital goes downtown. Right. You know, right. When you talk yeah. about corruption, there has to be a personal benefit to it. Mm. I don't get any personal benefit. Right. What's The people that are going to get the benefit are the people in this community. And my fear is what will happen is what has happened over the course of history in Utica is we do so much fighting amongst ourselves that we lose out on big projects like this. And just because there's $300 million there today, it could go away if we show we can't get this project done. And the people that will suffer the most are the people that need a new hospital in this community. Uh, earlier this year, actually, and we've had people from both sides of the downtown hospital debate on the show in the past. Yeah. Brett's, Brett's been on here before. We've had... Um, Sam Klosmotest has been on here to talk pro-downtown sure. hospital. So, and for a long time, one of the things we had sort of talked about is I had yet to hear, like, a great argument on either side. Like, I like the idea of a downtown hospital um, in Utica because it maintains that, I, I've for years said that that stretch between Lafayette and Columbia, my personal opinion has always been, it's one of the worst stretches of Utica for someone who's driving through who's never been here before. You're never right, seen. 100% correct. And, and one of the arguments we always made was, what could you possibly put down here? That would draw people to this area. There's right. not one particular business I could think of that's going to revitalize this entire facade. Right. So initially, I was very pro downtown hospital, and yep. then there was a lot of chatter, and I was sort of like, I don't know, we'll see what kind of plays out. And it right. wasn't until earlier this month when I went down to uh, trip to New York with some friends of mine who both happened to be uh, in the medical 
in the medical field. Right. And I asked them, hey, you know, I got you in the car. What do you guys think? Right. And they very quickly were like, have you been inside any of the current hospitals? Yeah. A lot of them do not have the materials, the technology that is, you find in a more modern facility. Sure. So it seemed like most of the people I talked to inside the doctors and nurses in medical industry were excited about the prospect of a new state-of-the-art hospital. So. Right. Once I talked to a lot of those folks, I was like, they, again, they seem, they're the people who are going to be working in this hospital. Right. I'm going to trust their opinions on it more right. than others. At least that's my thought. So. No, you're right. Look, I, I have spent a lot of time in the last year in both of our hospitals mm. uh, because I've had, I have a loved one who has been sick and undergoing some health issues. And anyone who, who's been in a similar situation will tell you that we have two very old hospitals mm-hmm. that have outdated equipment yeah. uh, that are not conducive to the needs of modern health care. So we need to consolidate into one brand new health care facility. Senator Griffo, myself, with the help of the county executive, helped secure $300 million mm-hmm. to do that. There are about two dozen cities around the state who would kill for that $300 million oh, to build sure. a new hospital in, in, their, in their boundaries. And if we can't get this done, they will try and get that money. But if you look at new hospitals that have been built, you go to the new children's hospital out in Buffalo that's in the downtown area, which has really led to a resurgence of Buffalo. That's become a medical campus with loft apartments and new businesses that have popped up. We can do that here with the right kind of planning. And it's not like the old urban renewal. I hear that term all the time. Well, we're just going to wipe out city blocks. Well, guess what? Some of those buildings down there, they may be old. They're not historic. No, that's correct. The Norm Seekin building is falling apart. Uh, teasers, Benjis. I mean, look yeah. at some of these buildings that are down there. If you go on uh, Google Maps or Google Earth and you zoom in on some of it, you can actually see a lot of <laughs> some holes in the ceilings on a lot right. of those buildings. One of the buildings. Big foundational concerns. Yeah, the, yeah. the one building, the, the Norm Seekin building, the, the, the neighbors behind it actually had to build a wall to prevent it from collapsing into their building. Yeah. And the city has tried to market these to other groups. No one wants to buy them because exactly. they can't, the money to renovate them is too much. Mm-hmm. You can build a state of art uh, facility. You can make it uh, aesthetically pleasing by bringing in the right kinds of architects who incorporate the design into the urban structure that you have down there. And it can be a great thing for this area. That's how I feel about it. Well, it's funny. I've talked about this before for years when I think about like the Utica skyline, right? You think about what the Gold Dome Bank, you think about uh, Adirondack Bank building is very large, but it's It'd be nice to add something new to the skyline. Even when the Bank of Utica built just that little clock tower downtown, right. I was like, it's nice to see some, like, a change, something sure. feel like it's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, it says a lot about a city when you drive in and you see a, a nice skyline. Well, considering when I was growing up, you would drive in over what used to be Old Bag Square, right. and it was not a wonderful sight for a lot of people Absolutely. coming into this Absolutely. City. Pardon me. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about Claudia Tenney. I really sure. do not. Uh, we talk about her enough on this show as it sure. is. Uh, but I'm going to talk about her at least twice, and this is the first time. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this in the past about, you know, with, I don't want to call it local politics, but in the in your past working in local politics, you've run into Claudia before she became a congressman. Sure. And you've dealt with her in the past. Does it feel, does there feel to be more tension now? Is it more confrontational than it once was? Is that just the nature of the beast? Look, we still we still bump into each other every once yeah. in a while, and I could say we're both very cordial when we when we run into each other. Um, look, I'm going to point out the differences that I sure. think I have with mm-hmm. her, and she's doing the same with me. Uh, my hope is that this is a campaign that's run on issues, because sure. I can talk a lot about my disagreements with her. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she can do the same with me and our ideas about how we represent this area best. But what I hope doesn't happen, and what you know, one of the things that disappointed me in the beginning 
beginning of this campaign when I first announced is for her to take some personal attacks against my family, yes. which I thought yeah, were yeah. pretty much out of line. As um, an Italian in upstate New York, I also <laughs> found that to be somewhat well, out of line. Look, it's an easy thing to just study yell at somebody. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, you're running against me and my record, yeah. not the record of my father or her father yeah. or whoever. Let's, yeah. th- let's talk about the issues when people mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, they're worried about their health care, they're worried about their jobs, they're worried about internet privacy or, or things like that. So there's, there's things that we can be focusing on and talking about those topics, that's what people want to hear. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. She actually has on her page, the front of her, her website, which I did go to today, against my better judgment, uh, was Anthony Brindisi is not who he says he is, right. which is an interesting way to go about it. And I, and, I, and I read through some of the stuff, and it's all exactly what I expected. It mostly sure. seems like gaslighting, if you want to ask my personal opinion, yeah. you know, calling you a rubber stamp for Cuomo. When, right. when I look at everything, I'm like, well, okay, you're a rubber stamp for somebody. I don't want to get into that. Yeah. But right. um, I just, it feels... And I wonder if it's just this current political climate or because it seems like this particular election cycle coming up is going to feel very important, particularly for Democrats who feel like we can make some headway back to what we lost. Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of traditional things that are going to happen in any campaign, no matter what this, the feeling is across the country. But this is a particularly charged year because mm. you have many competitive races. You see a lot of Republicans who are retiring or stepping away from Congress because they know that they're going to be in very competitive races. This will be one of the top... I would say five races in the whole country in terms of uh, competition, and, I, and it's going to be one that probably makes or breaks uh, control of the House of Representatives. So, you know, I, I laugh when I, when she or surrogates on her behalf say that I'm a rubber stamp for Cuomo or whoever, because folks who have seen me over the years know that I have disagreed with the governor yes. and been very public in my disagreements mm-hmm. with the governor, whether it's on public education, whether it's on economic development or or other issues. I mean, last year I held a state of the state. Uh, calling him out publicly for not coming to Utica to to, to address a situation here with nanotechnology. So, you know, I, I've been very public in my disagreements and have not been afraid to call him out. Mm-hmm. And I think something that I've also done and has shown over my years in the Assembly is I'm a guy who works across the aisles. You know, Senator Griffo and I work on a number of issues together, and we put a par- our partisan differences aside to try and do things that will help that we think will help mm-hmm. benefit this area. We don't have enough of that in Washington right now. Mm-hmm. We have uh, folks on both sides that really don't know how to compromise. What we need is more folks in the middle who can actually get things done. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, and that's a great lead-in, actually. Uh, in the Politico uh, article I was reading today about the must-watch candidates, it talks about you as a, and I, and I don't, I don't ever trust when some outside source puts a label on what kind of politician you are. Right. They sort of refer to you as a uh, a centrist Democrat. Right. And I don't know if that's something you you know you support or if you the label whatever it is. My I've had this argument with my again my stepfather who is a Democrat out of a that <laughs> seems like out of a different time than right. I. Right. We've argued that the next generation of sort of progressive voters wants a very progressive candidate, whereas he thinks that what we're looking for is that sort of centrist candidate to pull back the Republicans who maybe... It seems like everything sort of shifted very far to the right, and right. Uh, like the Clinton Democrats are actually just in the middle, right. right? Does it seem like... And it's a tough question, I guess, going forward. It's hard to gauge, but... Does the future seem like it's aiming toward a more centrist candidate or maybe someone on this more progressive side? It, it, it's so hard to say. And people always ask me, you know, do you consider yourself uh, centrist, progressive? You know, it's hard to say because I, 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 when I look at issues, I'm not thinking, well, what's the progressive thought on yeah, this right. issue? What's the right. centrist thought on this issue? I look at 
what what do the constituents that I represent feel? What are my own personal beliefs on this issue? What do experts that I, I trust in this particular field feel about the issue? And I try to make the best decision I can on, on the topic that's at hand. So whether it's an issue like uh, campaign finance reform or health care or taxes, I, I like to take the feedback from the constituents I'm representing and then going forward and trying to mm-hmm. represent their interest in Albany or Washington sure. next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you look at health care. Progressives want single-payer health care, they want Medicare for all, whatever it is. And I am very supportive of making sure that people in this country have health insurance. I want everyone to have health insurance in this country uh, because I don't think it's a privilege. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a right that everyone should have. But I'm also a realist, and I have to understand that first step in fixing the health care system is by stopping the attacks on the Affordable Care Act first. Yeah. You know, it's going under systematic uh, dismantling by the by the Congress that's in control right now, and we need to stop that. And then once we fix the problems with Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, whatever you want to call it, then we can go forward and try and find compromise of how we find insurance for everyone else who's still uninsured. What I find interesting about the, the health care thing, right, is it just seems... I, I signed up for Obamacare. People, right. There was this argument that, like, oh, the individual mandate isn't enough to get people to sign up for Obamacare or right. a- ACA, whatever you want to call it. And as a guy who was living in Brooklyn and didn't have health insurance, when I got my taxes back that first year and didn't have health insurance and caught that loss, I said, oh, my God, I got to yeah. go sign up for health insurance. So for right. someone like me in this middle ground, that mandate was a big deal. Right. I, I, I am concerned in general about and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, it yeah. does seem like the interests of the Republican Party right now are with uh, big business, with corporations, with people who are making more money. And it does feel like people like myself, middle class to lower middle class folks, Right. Uh, it seems like we have to fight so hard to be heard. Right. I, I think that's true. I, I talk about any, any, any talk I give or speech I give, I, one of the things I always start talking about is the dangers of money in politics. Mm. Money is the root of all evil in politics. Mm. And no matter what your cause is, whether it's the environment or health care or taxes mm. or, or whatever, there are very powerful lobbying groups spending millions and millions of dollars to try and influence a debate. Mm. So one of the things that I said when I first announced my campaign is I am not taking any corporate PAC money whatsoever mm. in my campaign. Mm. I want to rely on individuals uh, to, to help fund this campaign. And what we have shown during my time since I've been in the race with Claudia Tenney is that I've actually out-fundraised her uh, by taking donations. Most of my donations are from individuals under $200, where she is very has very little in terms of individual contributions. But you talk about corporate PACs. You look at her filing, I'm not making this up, it's Goldman Sachs, it's yeah. Wells Fargo, yes, it's ExxonMobil, it's all those companies who are trying yeah. to influence a, a, a particular cause in this Syracuse, country. Uh, Syracuse.com actually reported earlier this week that she's received over $100,000 $100, from Wall Street over the last however. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that was from a group called End Citizens United, which mm-hmm. has I was one of the first candidates that they endorsed in this year's election cycle because of my, my willingness not mm-hmm. to take any corporate PAC money. Sure. You, you briefly mentioned uh, the climate change thing. Um, <laughs> I've always considered myself to be uh, somewhat progressive in terms of like science issues. I've paid a lot of attention to like I'm really interested in science. For me, it always seemed like science as a civilization is the way we go from thinking ourselves as a country to thinking of ourselves as a global planet. Like yeah. I, I, I know that sounds kind of silly, but no, I'm, I'm very concerned with what seems to be the sort of the making issues like climate or science partisan. Like, I don't think that climate concerns should be a partisan issue. Shouldn't we 
Doesn't that, does that concern you as well? I don't know if that's something that bothers you the way it does me, but... I think it's a national security issue. Yeah. I think that there are, uh, you know, the, the, the world is changing, the climate is changing, and if we don't do something about it, humans are absolutely, I believe, contributing to it, and if we don't do something about it now, it's going to be very dangerous for our, our not only our generation, but for our future generations, our kids and our grandkids. Mm. So when I hear the president talk about, joke about how cold it is in, in Times Square oh. on, on, on New Year's and say, oh, oh, climate change must be a hoax, it's so cold out... You know, it's really not a, a big issue. You know, you look at uh, where we are as a country, we need to make more investments in green technology. We need to make more investments in our infrastructure. I can tell you here in New York State, one of the challenges to bringing on more wind or solar is the fact that we have such an outdated infrastructure and grid system. Right. So even right. if you put a new wind farm up, you can't get it onto the grid because the grid is so old. Right. So right. that's where we should be making investments as government in updating infrastructure so we can bring on more green technology and really contribute to uh, bringing down carbon emissions in this country. Uh, I had a couple quick reader questions that we uh, were sent in from Twitter. Now, because they're sent in from Twitter, uh, a lot of them I'm going to have to sort of uh, make a little bit uh, cleaner in terms yeah, of clean their questions. Uh, so I'm going to clean this one up. This is from my good friend Pete Forgets, who's a longtime listener of the show. There seems to be a disconnect um, about the way that states want to handle uh, this uh, legalization of medical marijuana and the way that the federal government sort of is pulling back on Obama sanctions. Right. Um, this seems to be a concern for him and a lot of other people I've talked to. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Should this be a state issue? Or Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I, I, I thought the Republican Party was supportive of states' rights. And right. what, seems what, like... What's more consistent with states' rights than states having the right to choose how they regulate marijuana within their borders? Mm. You see many states, whether it's Massachusetts or Colorado or Washington or California, who have legalized within mm. their state. You see New York, which has uh, gone as far as medical marijuana, mm. marijuana for medicinal purposes, but has not legalized it fully. And, and now you have a, uh, a rollback of, uh, of a policy that was put in place during the Obama administration. And look, I think that states have the right to regulate this uh, the way they see fit. And it's unfortunate that now Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump are going to decide to go after states uh, for uh, doing what they are as well within their right to, to regulate this within their borders. You know, we were talking, we had a conversation earlier, you know, the, the federal government views marijuana the same as heroin. Yeah, session uh, schedule one, right? I mean, yeah, are yeah, you, are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> the research is very clear that they have very different uh, effects, and that in many cases, marijuana can be used for medicinal purposes. Mm. And I see no reason why we should be moving towards a policy like Sessions is moving towards. I think it's a very dangerous slippery slope we're getting involved in. And that's not to mention the criminal justice aspect of it and how people are punished yes. for possessing oh, yeah. marijuana. Because the fact of the matter is, look, if you're for white kids in a frat getting busted with marijuana, you are going to be treated significantly different than a young black male who's pulled over in Kansas City for smoking marijuana. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that was something I noticed uh, living in Brooklyn for the many years I was there. You know, I was a, uh, like a, I'm Middle Eastern, but people just assume I'm a white guy because I got an Italian last name and a goofy beard. <laughs> I look like a hipster, but... And you live in Utica, right? I live, yeah. But when I was living in Brooklyn, you know, if I was walking down the street, I could probably drink a beer openly on the street and I would probably not get stopped right. because I was a, a white guy in a heavily minority neighborhood. Right. And I thought that was odd that I got such a weird double standard. I never was hassled by it. Right. And it's concerning, right? And it, it doesn't seem to be just a, an issue in certain areas. Uh, this current political system seems to be uh, showcasing that it's maybe a larger concern than we thought it was. It definitely yeah. is a larger concern. Thankfully, New York finally got on board with the rest of the states. We raised the age of criminal responsibility last year, which is something that was long overdue. And we need to look at other ways that we can stop 
punishing young African American males, young Latino males, and, and sentencing them to a lifetime of uh, of uh, th- this record where they are going to have difficulty getting to college, getting jobs uh, because they have a possession charge on their on their record. Uh, I had one more question for uh, again. This one I'm going to have to really uh, really skew. This is from uh, Jay Past Nine. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you uh, listening. Um, he wants to know. Well, he wanted to know why a particular politician seems to continue to lie all the time. So I'm going to have to sort of rephrase this. Why do you think? Do you think that there is a, a concern with the way it, it is now, where it's we will lie to keep our position because we would rather support a party than country? Is, right. This is concerning because it seems like the Democrats, I'm not saying that all Democrats are not sure. guilty of this, but by and large, most Democrats seem to be interested in the country first, whereas right. most current Republicans seem to be interested in party first. Is this a sign of the times or is it just because of the Trump effect? It's hard to say. I think maybe it's more of a sign of the times. You know, you yeah. look at the, like the Roy Moore situation yeah. down in Alabama, and people well, that's saying, disconcerting for a lot of reasons. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but you hear you know people saying, "Well, we, you know, we," or even the president himself saying, "Yeah, we know he's this, this, and this, but he's a Republican, and we got to support him." So I guess if he was a murderer, are we going to say, "Okay, well, he's a Republican, we're going to support him"? Well, I guess or the same thing on the Democrats. Well, side. it frustrates me is because there's all this talk about how like journalism is at like one of the best places it's been in a long time. The Washington Post, New York Post, doing these wonderful articles, and it frustrates me when I watch like Sarah Huckabee Sanders on TV, and I'm like, why don't you question her when she says some nonsense, right? right? I, I wish that we got to a place where there was a little more emphasis on forcing people to actually tell the truth about something. Right, right. And I want to tie this in something very quickly because earlier this week there was an announcement that uh, there was enough votes garnered to force a vote about net neutrality. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that's going to force the net neutrality thing to go back the way it was, but I think it's important that people have to be forced to be put on the record so that going forward we can say who took this away from us. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like we need to have more of that where there's a more transparency and the ability to see what the people we vote for actually support? Absolutely. I, you know, my Unfortunately, my opponent came out in support of the FCC's decision yes, to roll back yes, net neutrality laws, and I think that was the wrong thing to mm-hmm. do. And I actually commend the Republican congresswoman from the North Country who's been more of a leader in, in, mm. in, in, in net neutrality. Look, the thing that drives me crazy about this debate is when I hear people say, well, we were fine before 2015 when the net neutrality rules. No, we weren't. No. There are very specific <laughs> examples of yeah, companies yeah. slowing down Internet speeds to other providers mm. or platforms to, to benefit their own whatever they're pushing. And, you know, I think Internet service providers should be governed the same way utilities are because ultimately it was the taxpayer who built the the, the systems to get the utilities to your home. Same thing with the Internet services. Well, it's a, it's a lie to think that the market will govern itself because, to be fair, if you live in upstate New York and you're a guy like me, you have one option you if one you want to get cable. So when Spectrum or whoever, whatever they're called now wants to throttle my internet because I don't want to get my cable and phone pack. I just want to keep the internet. Right. I don't have another option to say, all right, why don't I go somewhere else? Right. Which I, and I have seen people, not here, but in general, talking about some sort of like way to, to circumvent this, like a more like, yeah. localized idea. But No, I, I mean, I've I've cut the cord I, yeah, you yeah. Know, because, look, mm-hmm. you have Spectrum. This is another problem with the country is you have these mega mergers between yes. giant corporations, whether it's in the financial mm-hmm. industry or, or online or uh, entertainment, that are now controlling more and more. And you have a merger that took place to create Spectrum, and what do you get? You get worse service at a higher price. Yes. So you have other options where you can cut the cord, you can get an antenna, you can go to an online platform, but I know ultimately more mm-hmm. people are going to do that they will increase the cost to provide the internet to your house. And look, you just like utilities, I get back to this debate, I use this analogy all the time, 
national grid delivers the electricity to your house. Yeah. They don't tell you what kind of light bulb to buy. Right. Okay. The internet service providers deliver the internet to your home. Yeah. They shouldn't be telling you which platform or app or, or, or search engine you should be mm -hmm. using. Well, not for nothing, too. A lot of our infrastructure as the way we run our businesses, the way we work, everything's tied into the internet now. Almost every business I know has either circumvented old ways of doing it and moved. Like, if all of a sudden, everything's already on the internet right. now. It's going to be hard to suddenly be like, oh, we got to cut back on the way we right. used to do things. No more emails. Back to the fax machines. Like, that's not going to happen, right? One thing I've worked on in the assembly and I've always been strong supportive of is expanding broadband, mm. making broadband more mm. uh, available in more rural areas. And I remember getting criticized by someone because I put on Facebook or something that, you know, the Internet's a right that everyone should have an access to. Mm -hmm. And this person says, the Internet's not a right. You don't need the Internet. I said, you go you go one day, two days oh, yeah. without the Internet. Try to live in a more rural community. Try to do your sit down with your kids at the table and do their homework without access to the Internet. Try doing an online application for a job, okay. which multi most employers require right now, mm -hmm. without the Internet. That's why our libraries are so important because they, in many communities that don't have broadband or are still that's on dial-up, you go to your library because that's the only place that has mm -hmm. broadband. So it is, it's a necessity in 2017. It's not going away. Uh, in 2016, uh, Claudia Tini won with uh, 129,000 votes. She's only about 20,000 ahead of Kim Myers. Right. Um, Martin Babnick pulled in about 35,000 votes. Yep. Even in Oneida County, though, which is disconcerting to me, even in Oneida County, Claudia won by about 10,000 votes. Right. Um, do you have like an idea in mind or a strategy for how you're going to pull back some of these disenfranchised voters? Because I have to be honest, when I voted in 2016, I sir, I walked in there saying, I'm not going to vote for Claudia Zinni, but I am not sure which of these two I should vote for, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, and I'm not, I'm not giving a hard time. I've met Kim, she's a sweet lady. Yep. She's very nice, but I don't, it felt like, because there was that sort of, I wasn't the only person who felt that way, because of that sort of waffling back and forth right. between who to go with, I think it allowed her to sort of slide in as this third candidate. Right. Does it, do you feel like there's a way that you can sort of subvert that from happening? I think so. And that's, I think Kim had a lot of challenges. She got into the race a little later. Mm -hmm. She was from the Southern Tier. A lot of people up here didn't know who she, who, who she right. was. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into the race when I got into the race, because it is a very large congressional mm -hmm. district. And, uh, you know, when I'm not doing my assembly job, I'm down in the Southern Tier or other parts mm -hmm. of the district because I want people to know who I am. I want to get to meet them. I want to I want to listen to their concerns. I want to answer their questions because that's what really is going to build trust and, and encourage people to want to vote for you. It's hard to just see someone on the TV and say, I need to go vote for that person. But if you meet him in person or you have a neighbor who met them and said, hey, he's a real good guy, you're more likely to vote for that person. So that's why I've been spending a lot of my evenings. Last night I was in Oswego County, you know, in, in, in the different counties, trying to meet people and hold small forums so I can get my message out there and talk to folks. So, uh, again, this is uh, – I have two last things I want to talk to you about. They are sort of national issues, so sure. we don't have to get too far in if we don't want to. But yep. um, there, we're coming to a time where it seems like the Democrats are either going to have to make a stand about DACA yep. and le or uh, subvert to what the Republicans want to do. I, there's a lot of questions for people about whether or not the Democrats should allow a government shutdown yeah. to, to force their point. Yeah. The DACA thing is very important. For a guy like me, I was, you know, my, my family is Syrian and Middle Eastern. I grew up from a Catholic Syrian family who came from overseas like three generations ago. Yep. You know, I also work in public schools. A lot of my kids are refugee kids. So yep. on my end, it's very important to me that DACA is taken care of, that we maintain America's yep. status as like a friendly immigration country. Right. But is it worth it to let the government shut down to get that? I think it's an important issue, and I think if the if the roles are reversed, I think the Republicans would probably shut the government down, shut for, down for an that's issue that they were trying like. trying to force. Uh, look, 
I have met many dreamers. I have supported the Dream Act here in New York mm -hmm. State. These children were brought here as infants with, with, through no fault of their own. They are serving in the military. They are teachers. They are contributing members of society. And for us to just somehow close the door on them when they know no other country than this country, I think is shameful. And we need to do something about this to protect these young people because they are providing a benefit for us and deserve a right to be here. So, uh, And this is an easy one for you, a national question. <laughs> Every news story I've been reading for the last week and a half has been surrounding this Michael Wolf book, Fire and Fury. I'm not going to ask, would you read it? Because certainly everyone would read it. I'm going to ask you this. Will you read it? Uh, I'd like to read it. I hope... <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my reading these days is very limited because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to you know read policy briefings and yeah, things yeah. like that to mm. get a better understanding. Uh, I would like I've heard a lot about it. You know, it's on a list I'd like to yeah, read yeah, at some sure. point in time, but don't know if it's right in the immediate future. <laughs> sure, but I think if you just turn on the news, you could get the whole mm. gist of it anyways. And yeah. there's people on Facebook reading it for you. And I uh, and I'll give you one um, lightning round question as we're heading out. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, well, television show, I'll tell you right now, and my friend Jordan over here turned me He's on laughing to it. over here? <laughs> it's Veep. Oh, you're watching Veep? Oh, Veep is great, man. And I'm I... behind. I'm behind everybody else because I was a, you know, I'm a late starter. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. So one of my Christmas gifts that my uh, my my campaign staff got me was an uh, 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 HBO Go uh, oh, gift certificate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can watch the, the first two seasons of yeah, Veep yeah. on uh, Amazon, but you can't watch beyond that. So I'm going to now get into the final season that so I can show... catch up. That show, and I'm sure it's got to be extra special. See, I, I was laughing about this last night. I grew up in one side of my family was very Italian, right. like making sausage and wine in the basement and yep. doing stuff like that. So I watched The Sopranos. I think it's the funniest show ever. And I wonder, is this funnier for me because it reminds me of people I grew up with? Whereas like, like weird Italian folks talking in weird made-up words that aren't real. Right. Uh, for someone in politics, does watching a show like Veep or like watching that kind of stuff give you like an extra like buzz? It humor? does. It does because look, the, some of the things that happen <laughs> probably do happen in real life. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that show is. Uh, I'll say one last thing about that show. No show uses uh, profanity and vulgarity at a higher <laughs> level than that show. They use some really. That show is hilarious. Uh, Assemblyman, it is always an absolute pleasure. Thank you so Thanks, much Sam. for spending time. Anytime, um, anytime. I don't know if we'll see each other again before things start to ramp up. I know you're going to get. It's a very, long year. I'm always around. Well, so. I appreciate that, but. <laughs> Listen, if we don't get to talk before then, obviously we support you here. Thank you very much. I wish much. you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. All right. Thank you. Thank you once again, uh, Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi. I told him, um, I told him I didn't know if we'd have him on again before November. I don't know how busy he's going to be, and of course he was always like, "Whenever you want, I'll have you come on." He's the nicest guy. He's we got to see if he if he wins, which he should, because his opponent Claudia Tenney is a coward who does nothing for the area. Very true. Um, but if he wins, we got to try to parlay this into some Washington influence. I think. 
Like, I'd like to get elected mm. to the state. I'd like to be brought to the State of the Union. I'd like to be brought to, you know, maybe the correspondence yeah. dinner. He asked Let's me. see what we can get. Did I tell you once he, uh, this is, a, I didn't talk about it on the podcast. Uh, he offered me once a few months back, and I had to turn down because I couldn't do it, to speak at something for him. I remember that. And I, and I was like, oh, no. I It was like one of the few times in my life that I was like, I am not prepared to do this. I'm not like, I ah, ah, no, no. You turned into a Kennedy. I, uh, I, uh, I am not prepared. I am not prepared to talk about anything except glib remarks, my friend. Um, no, it was always a pleasure to talk to the Assemblyman. And, uh, again, if I don't have him back on before November, I'd like to, um, then best of luck. We're rooting for you, as always. Great guy. Uh, also... To Joe Marino and Jordan Carp, who already have been giving me uh, a hard time about Assemblyman being on three times and them only being on two. Uh, all right, guys. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, wor- I'm working on it. I'm working on it. All right. Very good. Got plenty of room. We've got plenty more shows to Plenty of shows to produce. Maybe bring by a bottle of that, you know, 601 bourbon and wet the beak a little bit. See what goes on. the beak. a couple times. All right. So, again, I don't have my history notes as intensely as last week, so we're going to do them a little quicker than But you do still have some history notes. They're not bad this week. They're pretty good. Okay. They're good this week. Okay. So, on this day, eight. On this day, eighteen. In conjunction with the phone, that's what it is. On this day, eighteen oh three, Thomas Jefferson requested funding for Congress to finance the Lewis and Clark expedition. How much money do you think he asked for? This was eighteen oh three. Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. It's pretty close, actually. Oh. Pretty close, Kev. Wanna take a shot? She's fifteen hundred is close. Fifteen hundred is close. Close Close-ish. Fifteen oh one. Close-ish. Ten thousand dollars. Uh, 2500 is what they asked for. Uh, although it ultimately... <laughs> wow! <laughs> it ultimately cost... I hope that victory oh. keeps you warm at night. It does. Right? That makes me happier. Good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jefferson first proposed the Explorer Edition uh, even before Napoleon offered to sell the land. Uh, what he did not disclose, however, was that he planned to send Meriwether Lewis, his private secretary, on a reconnaissance mission that far exceeded the boundaries of Louisiana Purchase to determine how far west the U.S. might extend commerce into the North American fur trade. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. You can learn more about that in the documentary, Almost Heroes. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> so, uh, I gave a presentation at school last year. Uh, it was like a 15-minute PowerPoint presentation, and I'm very good at PowerPoint. And we did, um, I'm very good at PowerPoint. I'm, I like it. Uh, and it was on, like, West, like uh, Northwestern Expansion, right? And we talked about this and Oregon Trail. And at the very end, I did that as, like, a segment. I was like, and so, through the power of today's internet technology, we've actually uncovered some film from 1805 of Lewis and Clark. And then I just showed, like, a scene from Almost Heroes. For anybody who doesn't know, Almost Heroes is a movie about the Northwest Passage. They're chasing Lewis and Clark, and it's got... Uh, Chandler from Friends and Chris Farley. Yeah, and it's if I you like if you that. like dumb movies, it's really 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 hilarious. I seen a bear rip a man's <laughs> face off. Gah, gah. Everybody should watch Almost Heroes. You get extra credit this week. If you go watch Almost, Almost, Almost Heroes. <laughs> Call it history lesson. Uh, it's your history assignment, folks. It's your history assignment for this week. We'll talk about it next week. Should show that movie in Franklin Square this year. Ah. <laughs> Almost Hero. Is it like? I gotta run offensive? back through. I think it's got a couple things. That, it's like it's PG thirteen. I think it's got a couple mm. things that are probably borderline. But like it was the nineties. It was all pretty tame. Uh, on this day, January seventeenth, nineteen sixty six, NBC Television greenlights the television show The Monkees. 
Uh, I thought this was interesting only because a lot of people who've been on this podcast over the last few months talk about the Monkees being one of their first, like, bands. And I don't really know much about the Monkees besides it was a TV show. You have any takes on the Monkees besides they're, like, the Beatles ripoffs, right? They had a pretty good, um, like, VH1 made-for-TV series or movie about it that used to be on when I was younger. That I remember watching, so I know like I know the names of the guys, and mm-hmm. I've got like some general themes, but no, I don't really care too much about the monkeys. So the audition, it was actually 400 young men were uh, drawn to an ad that they had. The ad was auditions, folk and rock music singers uh, for acting role in new TV series, running parts for four insane boys aged 17 to 21. I know they were just a group. I didn't know they were a show, too. No, it was, like, made for TV. They weren't even a band. As a matter of fact, most of them didn't know how to play any instruments when they joined the band. Um... I, my mom really liked the monkeys, I feel like. That's like a thing that... Seems about right. Seems about like right. Should have been like 15, 16, probably around that time. Yeah. Makes sense. They got some hits. They got some nice songs. You all right? What's... I can't think of hey, one... Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Yep. Oh, yeah, there you go. Of course. That's about it? Is that the... Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I, I keep... You know what I think of them? When I think of the monkeys, for some reason, Cheer I think of the Beach G. Oh, I like that song. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Daydream Believer. Okay. Daydream Dream oh, Believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of them with the Beach Boys for some reason. Right? Like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're I'm, similar. Like, I want to say, like, a bunch of Beach Boys songs, but they're actually, like... I want to say that, Sloop John B., but that's a Beach Boys song, sense. right? The like, thing they're more similar to the Beach Boys than the Beatles is all the vocal harmonies. Mm. I think not that the Beatles didn't use them a ton, but they were a little bit more like, I think, like, backing, like, chorus guys doing, like, la-la-las and stuff in the background. Mm. I could be completely <laughs> la, off la, base. La. I know yeah. I can't yeah. these yeah. songs. Well, Heather uh, thinks I am, but Heather's got a vendetta today. <laughs> On this day, 1967, actually January 15th, uh, well, the first Super Bowl was played. The very first Super Bowl was played. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather, can you name any of the teams who played in the first Super Bowl? Uh, Either of the two. Dallas Cowboys? No, that's a good guess. That's not bad, actually. I would have expected. I didn't. I thought you'd give me nothing. I, I at least I know the football teams. I don't know. I don't. I know remember them from like '93, though. Um, that's all I got. Okay, what about you? Can you name either of the teams in the first Super Bowl? Oh, I know Bowl? it was. Sorry. Okay. Green Bay Packers. That's what I was just gonna say. Green Bay Packers. Yep. That's what, you know who the coach was. It's too bad. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Vince Lombardi. No. I knew that. You should ask me. Uh, uh, Kevin, do you know the other team who was in the Super Bowl? Um, the it couldn't have been the Indianapolis Colts. The Kansas City Chiefs. Well, see. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Colts were somewhere else back then, weren't they? Baltimore. Yeah, the Baltimore, Baltimore Colts. Colts. Uh, it was the it was a non sellout crowd of sixty one thousand nine hundred people for the first Super Bowl. Playing in terrible weather. <laughs> They're in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Super Bowl Sundays become an unofficial American holiday with bleeping parties, petting pool, uh, betting pools, excessive consumption of food and drink. On average, eighty to ninety million Americans are tuned into the game at any given moment with some 130 to 140 watching at least some part of the Super Bowl. Um, I remember going to, like, Super Bowl parties. Like, my buddy Evan used to have one every year, and it was always a lot of fun. We'd bring food and snacks. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I guess I liked football a lot more when I was younger, I feel like. Yeah, there was less stuff to do. Yeah, less stuff to do. There was <laughs> yeah. less stuff to, to consume. Up, yeah. Do you do, like, Super Bowl anything? I still go to them. Um, like, some part. I haven't I like got, last Bowl year party. I didn't go to them, but the year before I went to them. Do you have, like, a go-to party? Do you know, your, do you know where you're going for the Super we Bowl this year? We usually go to uh, our friend Ryan and Sarah's. Oh, yes. GFOP is yes. Ryan so and Sarah. So we go there, yeah, yeah. and I'm in it for the halftime show and the commercials. Funny, I've never been invited, Ryan and Sarah. I'll talk to them. Nope, that's fine. You know what? Nope, nope, that's fine. You know why? Because I'm one of those people who'd rather have it here so that I don't have to go anywhere for a party, right? I don't have to leave the house for then people come here anyway, I suppose. 
They'd be here. They'd be here anyway. <laughs> they'd be here. They'd be here. People are here. People are here. No, Super Bowl parties are. I don't really care for the Super Bowl, but like anytime you're gonna get a bunch of friends together and, food. and a ton of food and like have some beers and everybody's hanging out, that's yeah. any excuse you need. Who's gonna Super win the Super Bowl? Who's gonna win the Super Bowl this year, guys? I don't know who's in. Hard to say. Probably the Patriots. Probably the yeah. Patriots. Right. I feel like that's just a safe bet. Yeah. I'm hoping for these Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Jags. They beat the Bills, so <laughs> wanna, yeah. They're gonna root through. Uh, no, I, I, I have to say, and I'm gonna. Heather, you're going to be bored about this? You, I'm good. I'm listening. I'm learning. So last night, there was a football game that was on uh, real quickly. It was the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. And I, it's probably the only f- game of football I actually really watched over this two days. Like, I sort of watched most of the other games. But this is the only game I actually any real intent because we caught up in the last minute. And I have to say, there's a lot of things. That was a really fascinating game of football last night and one of the most wild moments in like 10 years that I can think of in an NFL game. And I actually got, I like when weird stuff happens when I'm watching it live, right? Mm-hmm. And last night when Minnesota won that last second touchdown was one of the cooler football moments that I can think of since uh, like the Music City Miracle, going back to when the Bills got knocked out of the playoffs in 99, where it was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Kev, you're not even really a huge football, you're, you hate football more than I pretend to hate football. I so. mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, Hate seems like a lot. I don't feel yeah. like it doesn't boil my blood, but no, I don't care for football. But that was exciting last night. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I like I like a great game. I've enjoyed a lot of football games that I've watched, but I never go out of my way to watch football, and I don't really have a team. You know what I mean? I just don't really care. Well, I thought we confirmed that your team is the Atlanta Falcons. Didn't we talk about that last year on the? Um, Maybe. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this. Falcons before. are all right. Them and the Saints are my team. My husband's team is the Detroit Lions. It's Ooh, like it's the tough worst. Call. Like every time, every year, I'm like, you're just set up for like a. Just a no chance. No Come hope. to the Bills fan side. At least there's more of us. You can commiserate with other fans of crummy teams. At least they're local. Yeah, we're local. Support crummy. Western New York. Uh, and here's one. Uh, here's a last history lesson. This is sort of a gimme one. On this day, January 20th, 2008, it was the premiere of one of the most popular, important television shows of all time, Breaking Bad, uh, oh. 10 years ago today. Uh, there was probably a time when I would have said that Breaking Bad was like, one of my one or two favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the in the cold light of day, I would say it's probably one of my top five. Like, I think it's one of the best television shows of all time. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, but I really really liked Breaking Bad. Before I dig into some weird facts, and you got any thoughts on Breaking Bad? You, you, you watched it, Kev? Yes? Yeah. How did you watch it? What are your thoughts? Where do you rank Breaking Bad? Did you think it was great, excellent, crummy, mediocre? I was good. <laughs> um, my I didn't really care for it as much. As, really? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Kev? Yeah, it was great. Mm. I don't put it... We were watching Sopranos right now, mm. just sort of watching it through. I still can't put it ahead of Sopranos as being better than Sopranos. I just can't. I'm sorry. All right. Two quick facts. Vince Gilligan, who produced the show. Do you know the other big television show that he produced before that? Uh, yeah. The other one. I'm drawing <laughs> a blank, but yeah. The, yeah, that uh, one? I know that one. The X-Files. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you one last one, and then we'll move on. Do you know where the term Breaking Bad comes from? What it means? Mm. Mm, no. It is a southern colloquialism, meaning, among other things, to raise hell or raising hell. Oh, so there see? you go. There Breaking you Bad. Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Pinhead. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Pinhead. It's see? Uh huh. I still like those movies. All the those are all right. Yeah. I would put it behind Sopranos and also behind Twin Peaks because I'm a mark, but I would put it ahead of Deadwood, and people seem to like The Wire. 
Break, I've never watched The Wire. Oh, it's good. You watched yeah, The Wire. I've watched it's some good. of The Wire. The Wire is good. I yeah. feel like you got to put Breaking Bad ahead of Twin Peaks. I can't. I know. I understand you're a mark, but Twin Peaks is too inconsistent. Only a handful of seasons spread over three decades. <laughs> nah. So the chairman of the board of Made in Utica, uh, Justin Parkinson, has really been pitching us on like additional podcasts, like content podcasts, like non-time sensitive things. And one of the right. things he sort of wanted to do was to do like a podcast series about like a whole season of like a television, a series of a television show. We've sort of talked about this with The Office, right? Like to do like 10 episodes like standalone about The Office, right? Sure. I was trying to think of what shows I could actually, I'm actually big enough. It's probably only like Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The Office, Twin Peaks, Parks and Rec. I can't, maybe Seinfeld. No, I feel like there's probably a lot of stuff you went back and watched it. Yeah, Mystery Science. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Twin Peaks. We know, uh, we know Twin Peaks. Twilight Zone. But even Twilight Zone would be... I'm trying to think... There's not a lot of shows I'm like a like an uber fan for in that weird way. I don't think I could consistently talk about a show. Oh, I could talk about a show. I like I like film and television stuff. I could okay. get into like... Just like the way episodes are shot because I'm a huge nerd. You said it. I said, I've said it many times. <laughs> not the only person. All right. You guys want to do some quick news stories before we head out here today? Yes. All right. Have you guys seen the Taco Bell commercials? You know you love Taco Bell. I'm a big Taco Bell supporter as well, Heather, obviously. Um, have you seen the commercials where they're doing the Bell Illuminati, like the Illuminati-themed commercials? <laughs> yes. Okay, so they're doing these, these weird <laughs> commercials for the dollar menu. It's like, ugh. And it's like using all the Illuminati imagery. Uh, country music artist uh, Charlie Daniels is very angry about them. He took to Twitter to admonish them saying the Illuminati is not a frivolous subject <laughs> to be joked around about. Do you think that Taco Bell is playing with fire by teasing the Illuminati? No. <laughs> no, he's a bum. Keep the, keep the elderly off of Twitter. Yeah. Get them yeah. their own Twitter. Like, open up a Word, <laughs> open up a word file document and just be like, yep, type it right here and it'll be into Twitter. Like, just, uh-huh. we gotta, it's all just old folks. They're, They're not the cut out for it. it. They can't. Well, it's not any better with young people Twitter because our next story is talking about how uh, the health department in Canada is reissuing a warning earlier this week that we should not be eating colorful laundry pods or oh Tide God. Pods. How stupid are these kids today? Have you seen? Okay. <laughs> as stupid as they were yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who are not in the know, apparently on the internet, people are uh, joking. It is apparently a start out people are joking that Tide Pods are very colorful and goofy looking and they almost look like candy and are edible. And this has turned into like internet memes about it. And this has turned into people actually eating Tide Pods. Well, originally it was like babies who were eating them. And then they, they're very colorful. So they made the packaging different. Little did they know that teenagers were going to be. Yeah, they're just memeing them. They're, and like now they're like eating them on Snapchat for like the clicks. So I wanted to get like outrageously angry about it. And then I went on to look at some of the memes and they're actually hilarious. This one with the Tide Pod. Are. The one with the Tide Pod flavored Oreos is actually very funny. It's really well made. Uh, there's a Tide Hot Pockets like one. That, one. that one's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'd eat that one. So I guess my question is, like, it makes me sad that we have to, like, administer warnings to people that we probably never would have had to in the past. Like, please don't mm-hmm. eat cleaning detergent. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not edible, like, uh, really. It's just, it's a sad world that we live in. <laughs> just makes, this is, like, my sad world news okay. today. <laughs> I'd be mortified if my son was eating Tide Pods. Don't let him on the internet. I feel like kids have been doing stuff like this forever. I I, really? 
Yeah, the Aww. only difference now is there's something they can stir it up in and tweet about to get you outraged. If yeah, the kids so like have been eating dumb stuff did. and doing... Five of them maybe did. Now that's what I mean. Like, if five kids ate it and everybody's <laughs> like, the kids are in danger. The kids are fine. There's going to be a couple <laughs> dumb kids. kids. They're going to die. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not your kid. Make sure your kid not yet. Uh, I have a bunch of stuff. We're gonna skip through some of it here. Uh, we're gonna skip past the story about the criminal who stole steaks from a grocery store, but was tracked down by the police dog because he could smell the steaks. I'm not gonna go into. There's anything more to say on that? No, I think it's great. Uh, there is some sad news. Uh, the lead singer of the Cardigans died. Uh, the cra- cranberries okay. died today. Did you guys see that? I don't yeah, know. I just caught it before I got here. Actually, uh, people were really upset. I didn't. I'm not. I only know like three cranberry songs, and people were very. She's apparently very young. Apparently, she's only like forty-seven or something yeah. like that. So very sad for any cranberries fans out there. I do like the song "Dreams" a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to that on my iPod a lot, all the time. On my iPod, that's how you know I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> Jumanji is still the top movie. We talked about is this. It really, it's still the top movie for another weekend. It beat the post at theaters again. It I is now. It has now made two hundred and ninety-one million dollars total. I kind of feel like I have to go now. I want to see it. Like I now, I'm kind of curious it. to go see why everyone wants this Jumanji movie so I bad. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, you said that it's just because Kevin Hart and The Rock are very popular. Like that's I didn't a say big. That's the only reason, but it's yeah, a big part huge. of it. Yeah. Like, but I don't know. I feel like. It's been on for like five weeks. Is like the number one movie in America. It's got to be more than that now. Now I'm kind of no, curious. People just don't have taste in movies anymore. It's Why also was... it's also that time of year where like all the studios are putting out their worst movies. So it doesn't I mean I understand I know that Star Wars is out, but it doesn't really have competition. Like the Post isn't competition. Is Jumanji's the... supposed to smack the Post? I thought the Post had like Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. Those aren't movies that make money. Uh, I mean, like they make some awards. money, but they don't make. This is. Jumanji is the type of movie that gets rides and toys and mm-hmm. lunchboxes. And we're just making like Meryl Streep and the Post lunchboxes. <laughs> There's like the one sad girl. <laughs> I would love. It's my, it's my kid who shows up with that. Did you have a lunchbox at school? Uh, no. I was usually I usually bought at school, yeah. and the, or if I was bringing lunch, we'd just brown bag. Elementary school, I did have a lunchbox because Angela mm-hmm. liked to make uh, school lunches because she's good like that. Yeah. What would you assume that my school lunchbox was? Knowing Dinosaurs. What? Yes. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but in what form? It was a specific type of dinosaurs. Like, was it Land Before Time? <laughs> that's a good guess. No, no, no. A little later than that. Godzilla or Jurassic Park. It would have oh. to be. There you go, Jurassic Park. Uh, I would have also accepted Power Rangers at a certain time. I definitely had a Power Rangers lunchbox at some point in time in yes. that run. Power Rangers used to be cool. I'm saying. I'm, still, I'm just saying. It was a short amount of time. They just made a movie about it last year. It made a bunch of money. They're going to make another it? one. Did I'm you? an old <laughs> yeah, man now. I'm an old man. All right, all right, all right. So last but not least, uh, we're going to bring back the tech corner because I know how much oh, oh, you... Oh, tech corner. Yeah, the tech, corner. the tech corner is back. And I start with this question. Uh, there is an answer to this according to the internet. What is Alexa's favorite kind of beer? You're going to be disappointed. I hope it's not like Bud Light or anything. It's Budweiser, I have to tell you. If you ask your Alexa what its favorite beer is, it will tell you Budweiser. That's horrifying because I'm sure that Budweiser paid for that to be a thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, but apparently, the point is, Alexas will be getting to the point sooner than later they can give you opinions about movies and food. So if you say, Alexa, what television show should I watch? Based on your habits, it will give you a correct uh, suggestion. 
Are you excited or mortified by the oncoming AI-led robot future? Heather, starting with you. I like it. I'm down. Keep <laughs> the Kevin, are you not impressed? It's the worst. I don't need a robot to tell me what movies to watch. All right. I don't think I would ask her something like that, though. That's just. I can't think of anything I would ask Alexa. I ask her the weather. I ask her to play the news, and she'll play NPR. She'll just play it. All right, let me ask you this question. If you say, Alexa, Alexa, play me the news, mm-hmm. does it know to play you just, is it just playing any news? Is it just playing, some news? Have, some news. It's already programmed for NPR, mm-hmm. so it does that, but you can ask her to play certain stations, and she'll do it. I can ask her the weather. I can ask her to set a timer. I can ask her to turn on the lights. And it's all good. Like, I walk through the door, and the lights are off. I'm like, Alexa, turn on the living room light. And I walk in, and the living room light's on. <laughs> Alexa, delete my Reddit history. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. Very good. Uh, that's it. Again, thank you to Assemblyman Brindisi. Always a pleasure. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter. Heather Waz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me, SF Doom. Or don't just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, MadeInUtica.com, Uticast.com for this and all back episodes. Uh, keep it tight. Sayonara, humanoids. Woodstock lives. I need to refill my coffee. Sounds like you're running out of batteries. Ooh. Ooh. I, I, I am running out of dialogue. It's pretty dark. Good night.